Welcome to Engagement Matters, the podcast for business professionals who want to effectively engage with stakeholders and increase the productivity of their teams. Brought to you by JHW Corporate Training. For more resources and to subscribe to the show, visit jhw.com.au. Welcome to episode four of Engagement Matters. My name is Christina Cantors and I am joined by Mr. John Williams. All right, let's dive straight into this episode. We are talking all about the three powerful yet poorly executed communication tools. John, what are they? Um, They're pretty obvious, really. Um, The first one is questions. The second one is uh, uh, listening. And the third one is silence. Mm, Okay, so in this episode, John's going to share with you how you can effectively use these things in order to increase the level of engagement that you have with your colleagues and, and stakeholders and to get better results, right? Better results is what it's all about, yep. Build better relationships. Yep. How else will it affect people's work and relationships with others? Well, um, you start having shorter meetings that um, get better outcomes. Um, that's what it's all about is uh, getting straight to the point, getting the information you need, uh, making the other people feel more comfortable with where you're going. Mm. And you mentioned meetings in there Um we, we talked about planning meetings effectively in episode one. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back and listen to episode one um, where John gives a really excellent outline for how you can better plan your meetings in order to be more productive. And then I guess this episode's kind of a follow one in that- Some of the techniques, the techniques to yeah. execute better. Exactly. Perfect. All right. Now, if you want to download the PDF resource for this episode, you can find it in the show notes at jhw.com.au slash tools. We'll put it in jhw.com.au slash tools. There'll be a PDF there that you can on send to other people who you feel would also benefit from this content. Alrighty, let's get into it. The first one that we're going to talk about is questions. Tell me, John, why is it so important that we learn how to ask great questions? Okay, good. There's five things about questions Ooh, that make them really valuable to us. Okay. They're our best friend. They really are. Uh, in any meeting with stakeholders, um, when we're a service provider of any sort, questions are our best friend um, for five good reasons. Number one, they help us gather the information we're looking for. That's probably pretty obvious. You know, if I want to know um, how much budget you've got, I ask you, and hopefully I'll gather that information. The second thing is by asking questions, we can create dialogue, get an interaction going. Um, until we get that interaction going, we don't really have a meeting. So the way of me passing back over to you um, the initiative to talk is by asking a question. Um, we often talk about two ears and one mouth. If I'm going to get you talking twice as much as I do, then I need to be asking you good questions that gets that dialogue going. A third good value that comes out of questions is the rapport that it generates. People love talking about themselves, their jobs, how important they are, what a great job they're doing. If I'm doing most of that during the meeting, then I'm coming out feeling really great. But my stakeholder, yourself, is probably not feeling so thrilled. <laughs> if I, Instead of that, I can get you telling me 
about how good you are and what, you know how important you are and what a great job you are doing. You come out of that meeting feeling somewhat uplifted, feeling that somebody is there listening to you. Mm. So that's um, a third great thing that comes out of good questions. A fourth thing, gaining commitment. If I want you to agree to a plan of action that I'm proposing, uh, sign off on a milestone or an order or something like that, there's only way, one way I'm going to get that, and that's by asking a question of you. Now, in this case, it needs to be a closed question. But again, unless I ask you that question, I'm not going to get the outcome I'm looking for. So are we going to have another appointment? Would you be prepared to sign off on this milestone? Are you prepared to sign the order? That requires a question. So if we're going to get the things that we're trying to get from a meeting, we need to ask questions. The fifth thing that is really great about questions and probably as important or more important than any of the others is that um, by asking questions, I can control uh, the meeting. If you start taking the meeting off on a red herring, taking it down a track that I don't want it to go, uh, the best way of me bringing it back on track is by asking you another question. It brings it back to where I want the meeting to go. So for me, that's five damn good reasons why questions are really useful for us. Mm. Can you share how we can ask better questions? There, are, I know there is so much to it and we only have so much time on this podcast. What's maybe your number one tip for knowing what questions to ask? Um, preparation. Preparation. Uh, understanding what you're trying to achieve during the meeting and thinking through the questions that are going to help you achieve that. If you're trying to get dialogue going, if you're trying to get the stakeholder to talk about what it is they're trying to achieve or where they're trying to go, then we need to be asking them open questions. Who, what, where, when, how, why? Those questions demand more than a one word answer. And that's how we get dialogue going. If instead we're trying to get commitment, then we need to ask a closed question. I'm pushing you to make a yes-no decision here. Are you going to sign off on this milestone? Yes or no? So thinking and preparing in advance what we're trying to achieve and relating the questions, making sure we ask the questions in the right context to achieve the outcomes that we're trying to get to. Mm. It's so important to consciously think about these things because like you said right at the start of this episode, we, we we ask questions all the time but we rarely stop to think about what is the question we're actually asking and is it going to help me get to my goal? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's what, at the start of uh, every podcast episode that we record, we ask the question, what's the goal that we're trying to achieve with this single exactly. episode? Yep. And then as a result of that, what questions should I be asking? You know, so it's it applies to, to everything exactly. really. Okay, so that's questions. What was the next thing? Listening. Listening. Hmm. Yeah, not much point in asking a question if you're not going to listen to the answer. <laughs> tell us, uh, it probably it probably sounds obvious to, to most people, but tell us why is listening so important? It's important because it's difficult. We can train ourselves to ask good questions. It's hard to train ourselves to be good listeners. How many times have you, Christina, been introduced to somebody for the first time and within three nanoseconds of being introduced to them, suddenly realized that you didn't catch their name. Oh, yeah. 
I always, I don't was is it because I don't listen or do I just forget? Or does that, or is that related to my bad listening? It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a symptom of bad listening. We okay. all do it. And, and one of the reasons we do it is because we're so preoccupied with what we want to say to make a good impression on this new person that we're meeting that our brain is totally occupied on thinking through what we're saying. And so we hear, but don't listen to right. the key thing, which was their name. And it happens quite often. Uh, I found a technique to help overcome that is to repeat that back to them. So it's Christina, is it? Nice to meet you, Christina. Mm. If I've said it twice, at least I know it's in my brain somewhere. Now I'm, all I've got is a problem of retrieval. Uh, sometimes we didn't even get it into the brain because we were so intensely thinking about what we were going to say to impress them. And if you think about whenever you drift off when someone's talking and you stop listening, it's generally because you're thinking about something else, right? You're thinking about something that's a bit more interesting. So you're more focusing on you and what you want rather than on them. And that is a danger that we all face. Um, it could be because the other person is uh, a little boring it may be because um, simply uh, our brain is able to process things far faster than what people speak. So if we talk at about 100 words per minute, the brain can process about 10 times that much, which gives us 90% of our capacity to go think about other things. Often that's, what am I going to say next? It can often be provoked because of uh, assumptions or expectations that we've had. So I hear you starting a sentence and I think, ah, I know what she's going to say. Mm. And so I assume you've said that. And I stop listening to what you're saying, assuming I've already pigeonholed that, know what she's going to say. Now I can focus on what I'm going to say. And then without realizing it, you end up saying something different. And then do people then act on or respond according to what they think or assume was going to be said. Absolutely. And that's where communication breakdown happens. Exactly, exactly. It's not unusual for two people, two good communicators even, to leave a meeting with a totally different opinion of what the outcome of that meeting was. So we like to talk about active listening. How can we listen better? Well, one point is to just concentrate a bit harder. Let's focus on the other person. Mm. Let's eyeball them, make sure that we're giving them plenty of eye contact. And just in our brain, keep reinforcing this idea. I need to listen to all of what this person has got to say, even if I think I already know what they're going to say. It's sometimes a slight nuance, a slight difference in phrase might turn our understanding of what they're truly saying. Mm. Another th good technique is to paraphrase afterwards. So once I've got you to talk about what it was you're going to tell me, I'm now going to paraphrase back to you what I think you've said. When I do that, you have the opportunity to confirm whether I fully understood what you said or not. To confirm what you said. What you said. <laughs> <laughs> do you see what I did there? Yes, you did. I don't think I did it right, but I'm trying. <laughs> so um, paraphrasing gives that opportunity 
to ensure that what I thought you said is what you meant to say. Mm. But it also does a couple of other things. It ensures to you that I truly care about understanding properly. It helps build that trust and rapport that John was so diligent in trying to understand what I said that he paraphrased it back to me. That sends a signal to the stakeholder that I truly care. And that can be really important. Another thing it does is provoke in the stakeholder's mind some thinking about whether they've given me the full answer. So in some of the complex discussions we're having, without intending to, our stakeholder can sometimes give us half or two thirds of the story and through no intent, omit important parts. So I've asked a question about what the stakeholder is trying to achieve and they give me A, B and C. When I paraphrase back to them that I understood what you meant by this discussion was A, B and C, they're hearing it for the first time. They've said it before, but they're hearing it uh, for the hearing first from time. someone else, yeah. And when they hear it, they suddenly realize they haven't given us the full story. And you'll have experienced this in the past, and I hope you'll experience it again. When you paraphrase and say, well, I think you meant was A, B, and C, they say, yeah, that's right. But what I forgot to tell you was also D, E, and F. Mm. Now, there's every chance that you're not going to find out about D, E and F unless you paraphrase what they said in the first place. So it's a great technique for generating additional information. I've used that before where I've said of where I've had a whole discussion with with a potential client about what they wanted. And then right. And there was a lot of like a long discussion. So at the end, I had to say, OK, so what? So what I understand is is you want three things, this, this, and this. Is that correct? And then sort of paraphrasing yep. what they've said, but more of as a summary at the end. Yep. And then I said, yep, that's exactly what we want. Oh, and also we wanted this. There so you go. That's yeah. exactly so, what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's like yep. I hadn't actually thought of that uh, sort of consciously. Yeah. So so that's a form of active listening, Mm. uh, trying to shift the focus away from uh, thinking about what am I going to say next to truly listening Mm. to what the stakeholder is talking about. I've noticed that some people, sorry to interrupt, I noticed that some people also preempt what you're going to say and finish your sentence for you. Have you encouraged, uh, sorry, encountered people like that? I'm sorry, I've been guilty of it myself. <laughs> it's very poor technique because often the stakeholder will agree with you, mm. even though that might not have been what they were going to say. It leads us into the third point that I was going to talk about, which is uh, use of silence. Mm. Abraham Lincoln once said, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. (laughs) So clearly he was saying sometimes if you've got nothing to say, just don't say it because you're going to make a fool of yourself otherwise. But it goes deeper than that. There's a whole lot of things that silence can help you with in communication. So often uh, when we're nervous, perhaps doing a presentation, you will have observed this 
before with the people that you've coached. When people are nervous, they tend to start talking very quickly because they get nervous and they just want to get off the stage or they feel that they're not important enough to be taking up too much of this important person's time. So these are signs of nervousness. Taking planned pauses, just like I'm doing now, can help remove that tension, that, that, that concern about that, that feeling of nervousness. This person is confident enough to talk slowly, to live with pauses and work through. And the same happens in an interactive discussion. If I give you a few seconds after you've finished answering a question, then you might actually carry on talking. And sometimes you'll then tell me the stuff that is maybe a bit more important, maybe a bit more personal to you or, or, or maybe not the stuff that you really wanted to divulge. But that's when we start Because I've been given some space. Exactly. To share that. Well, I'm, I'm put under a little bit of pressure as well, actually. We get uncomfortable with silence. We have this norm in communication that I'm talking... And when I finish talking, I send out verbal cues, tone of voice cues, body language cues that says, oh, John's finished. It's now Christina's time to talk. And then she talks and she sends out those same clues to John when she's finishing talking. But if I ignore those clues and remain silent... Uh, panic happens panic <laughs> happens something's wrong here he hasn't started talking so i must continue I talking, talking. Uh, i gotta fill in the silence people do that when they're presenting as well they feel like they have to fill in every millisecond of silence and often what you say when you're panicking and filling in silence is the very stuff that you didn't really want to tell me mm. So it's a way of eliciting information that sometimes the stakeholder ne didn't necessarily want to share with us. I think it needs to be very, used very carefully because you can irritate people if they realize that you're doing this regularly. But sometimes it can be quite useful in understanding truly what the stakeholder's requirements are. Using silence can also help detract from us spoiling good questions by being in too much of a hurry. Sometimes we ask very good open questions and when our stakeholder wants to pause for a few seconds to think about their answer, we can often assume that we've stumped them with this question so maybe I need to help them out and we ask another question or try to clarify the question or turn an open question into a closed question. Did you want to go left or right? This is quite insulting behavior, really. It may well be that our stakeholder is perfectly in control of the question you've asked and perfectly understands it and is taking a few seconds to think through a considered answer rather than just shooting from the hip. And in us jumping in, to clarify the question, we're essentially saying to them, I guess you're too stupid to answer that question, so I'll rephrase it for you. Quite insulting. And you're also interrupting their train of thought exactly. when you do that. Yeah. And you're, you're going to get the answer that you wanted, that you've just planted into their mind, rather than the one that they were solidly thinking through 
and going to give you. So you're probably going to end up with inferior responses in any case. I've experienced this. I mean, I'm guilty of this when I when I'm interviewing people on on my podcast. Sometimes if I am a little bit nervous or I'm a bit unsure of what I'm asking, I'll find myself repeating that question over and over. So I might say, so tell me how you started your business. Like, was it because of this or was it because of that? Or did you do this? Or at what point, what was the story behind it? Like, tell me, blah, blah, blah. And when I go back to edit it, I listen to myself going crazy asking these questions over and over. And I think, you're such an idiot. You could have just stopped there and paused and let the other person speak, even if they do require a few moments of silence to get their thoughts together. That's a really good insight, Christina. And at least in the podcast, you have the uh, uh, opportunity of a second sight. You you get to listen to it through. You even have the opportunity to edit some of that out, I guess. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> but for most of us in real live meetings, we don't get to listen back to how the meeting went. So we might be as guilty of that as you are, but we didn't notice it because we didn't get to listen to the podcast mm -hmm. afterwards. And we certainly don't get the opportunity to erase that little bit and try again. Our stakeholder that was in that meeting witnessed, saw what happened, and has gone away with an impression of it. And most times that impression isn't very good when we've cramped their space. Mm. It also works or applies the other way around because what I find is when people are asked questions, say if they're presenting or you know it's a Q&A &A session, they're asked a question they feel like they have to jump in immediately with an answer and that's when they start to ramble and say um a lot without properly thinking it through. And I always encourage people to, when they're asked a question, pause and take a moment to think about the answer instead of launching straight into it. And like you said before, otherwise you might say something that you regret later or you give away too much information that you shouldn't have. Exactly. That pause is very valuable. When you pause, it gives you a few nanoseconds to construct a well thought through answer to the question rather than blurting. Mm. Now, it may well be that the answer to the question is exactly the same as if you hadn't paused, but it comes across a lot more considered and thought through just for the fact that you were confident enough to take a pause and then answer the question constructively. It just makes you look more mature and much more in control. And hopefully the person asking the question doesn't freak out and start asking the question again and again and again, thinking that you didn't quite understand the question. So hopefully <laughs> exactly. they give you the space as well to answer. Well, if that starts happening, then you need to clarify that you've understood the question properly. Um, sometimes we can uh, answer what we thought was the question, but miss the point. So rather than trying to answer the question again, it's always worth asking the questioner, was that really what you were expecting was that what you were really asking or if I'm if I understood the question properly mm. and saying does that answer your question at the end exactly yeah yep. getting confirmation yeah fantastic all right so we've covered we've covered quite a bit in this episode we've talked about asking questions going back to questions again how do we ask great questions why it's important we talked about listening and how you, we can do that more effectively 
with active listening. And we talked about using silence as a really effective tool. And all of these things, like we said at the start, we can all do them. They're all very simple things to do. And we've been doing them all our lives. But unfortunately, a lot of us do them quite poorly. So if you can start to implement these things and pay attention to them and improve with, with these things, you'll take huge steps in the effectiveness of your overall communication. Absolutely right. I think one thing to leave our listeners with is that um, if we have a miscommunication with a stakeholder, the cost of fixing that miscommunication increases with the time it takes to fix it. So if I misunderstood something you've just said, but I clarify that immediately during the meeting and we fix it, then the cost is zero or virtually zero, a few Mm. seconds. If I don't clarify it then, and we go off and we spend another three months on this project working to that misinformation, then by the end of that project in three months' time, it's hugely costly to repair the error of communication at that point. So these techniques to get better, clearer understanding are really valuable and saves us a lot of heartache later. Would you say that there's a linear relationship between the time and and error in communication, or would you say it's more exponential? I was going to say it can be linear, but it can very quickly become <laughs> exponential. Fantastic. Awesome. Anything else to add, John? Uh, no, I think that's, uh, that's enough for today. Um, thank you all for listening. Great. And if you want to learn more about the public courses that John runs about stakeholder engagement, be sure to check them out at jhw.com.au. And you can also find more information about what we've talked about today, including a PDF version that you can send to people who you feel this would also benefit, that who may not listen to podcasts. <gasps> How dare they? You can find that at jhw.com.au slash tools. Thanks again, John. This has been excellent. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Engagement Matters, the podcast brought to you by JHW Corporate Training. To download free resources or to join one of our public engagement skills workshops, visit jhw.com.au.